have come to the end of the end. We are at the end of the book of Revelation for 15 weeks. We've been journeying chapter by chapter through this powerful picture that, that God gave John and John then shares with us. But before we dive into this very last chapter, I want to let you know that next weekend we have a very special weekend planned. We're calling it our Next Steps Weekend. And we're going to make it clearer than ever before of how every single one of us can take a next step growing deeper in our faith. And we're going to challenge you to take a step next weekend. It might be getting involved in a group. It might be diving into your own personal chair time at another level. Uh, It might be getting involved and serving. But we don't want anybody to miss next weekend. So make sure you mark your calendar, save the date, uh, join us right back here next weekend. If you can't be here in person, then uh, join us online, okay? Well, uh, we are fully engaged into the fall season, aren't we? Uh, And uh, life gets, uh, I always say, you know, during the summer, it feels like it's a little more chill uh, and there's a little bit more freedom. But then we're always grateful to get back into the fall because even though it feels like it's busier with what school and extracurriculars or whatever it might be, you, you find a new routine again though, right? And, and, and routine just helps us. But I'm already missing some of the freedom of the summer. You, know, you end up staying up later than normal. You, you watch probably some more shows. How many of us uh, over the summer, you binged watch some Netflix or Hulu or something like that? You found some series, like you just dug in. Um, I mean, you didn't take a shower, you just, you just, you just laid there and watched like 18 episodes. Uh, you know, when you come across a great series and you're just in it and like, it's dangerous when, when the next, ser- the next uh, episode is right there, you just, you hit click and continue and then all of a sudden it's 2 a.m. It's like, oh, I've got to work tomorrow morning. And the, the only bad thing about binge watching a Netflix series or something like that is uh, when you watch the last episode. And it's like, you're just empty. Like, I want more. Like, it can't stop. Like, well, and so then you're scrolling on your phone like, well, when's the next episode going to be released, right? And have you ever, you know, you've, you've been waiting, 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 and then all of a sudden you get a, a, a coming soon. Like, like a notification on your phone, you, you see it in a Facebook ad, you're, you're reading your TV Weekly, I don't know if that's still a thing, and you see that your series is set to debut, launch another season, and like, you just get giddy, right? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like we've got to plan our whole world around this, right? Or maybe it's something altogether different for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, a certain movie that you heard is coming out. It's a new Marvel classic, or, or maybe it's a restaurant that you've just been hoping, praying is going to, like, Canes. You're killing me, Canes. You're killing me. You see the coming soon sign, and yet it's like, when? When's it coming? Well, the, the, whole, the whole book of Revelation is really like a giant coming soon notification, letting us in on all that our hearts really deeply long for. We've been journeying chapter by chapter through this powerful book. Last weekend, we looked at the reality of heaven. That heaven is not just some 
place out there that someday we're going to go to and live on a cloud and play a harp with the angels. But the picture that the Bible gives of heaven is a new heaven and a new earth colliding in reality with Jesus coming back to us. We have got a lot to look forward to. And I don't know about you, but this world, it just seems to get messier and messier and crazier and crazier. And doesn't that just build the anticipation? Last week, we looked at the reality of heaven and what we find in the very last book of the Bible, in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 is a little bit of carryover of John's vision of the new heaven and new earth, and then a promise that Jesus made to his people and to us. And so that's what we want to look at together today. Revelation chapter 22, and let's just recap uh, this image that Jesus, uh, that John is gaining from Jesus. He's looking ahead and he, he realizes that this new heaven, this new earth is coming with Christ. It says, then the angel showed me a, a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it flowed down the center of Main Street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, and the leaves, they were used for medicine to heal the nations. Like this picture of wholeness and peace and healing and health. This is what those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. This is what we have to look forward to, to anticipate. It's coming, and it's coming soon. It's a picture of Eden restored. What God longed for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He longs for you and I to experience again one day in the new heaven and the new earth. He goes on and says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no more night there. There will be no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. Wow. Are you looking forward to that day? Man, do we have something. And, and out of all the things, you know, Eric last weekend, he talked about, you know, what we have to look forward to in heaven. He, he was all about the food. He's always about the food. And, and there, there, there is the, the righteous rule of Jesus. There's so much to look forward to anticipate. But at the end of the day, John gets it right. Verse 4, and they will see his face. The King and the Savior of the world that was willing to give up his life for us, be crucified on a cross for your sins and my sins, we will get to see him face to face. What a day. Well, John goes on to describe his vision. He says, Then the angel said to me, Everything that you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. He says, the the Lord God who inspires the prophets has sent his angels to tell his servants what will happen soon. And then Jesus said these infamous words, look, I am coming 
soon. It's like a blaring notification sign on our phones. It's the sign that's in the middle of Route 250 that nobody can miss. Jesus is saying, listen, I am coming soon. What a promise. What a hope. And yet, if you're like me, every time that I've read these words, I struggle and I wrestle. Because I go, Jesus, you said that a long time ago. What is soon? I don't know about you, but you know, different people have different definitions of soon, right? Like when Carter tells me, Dad, I'll, I'll get off the video game soon. It's not the same soon that I was thinking. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, I'm getting ready and Lisa's waiting. You know, in our house, sometimes it's like Lisa's ready and I'm the one primping, still getting my hair perfect. And, you know, and, and like soon, and maybe it's, when I read Jesus' promise here, we, we so quickly tie soon to a time frame. And that's what I've done all my life. And so then when I read this promise, I'm like, it doesn't feel soon. In fact, how, how much crazier and worse does it have to get in this world for Jesus to say, okay, it's time. I'm coming back. Interestingly, as I was studying for this message, I'm looking at some of the original meanings of some of the words because sometimes our English translation, it does its, the best that it can, but without looking at the original writings, sometimes we can miss something that's really significant. And I discovered something that for me, it was a game changer. That word soon, when Jesus says, I'm returning soon, doesn't so much have to deal with a time frame. In fact, it's the Greek word taku, which is what the... English word that we kind of transliterate from it is taxi, like taxi, taxi. <laughs> but, but it says that that word actually doesn't mean necessarily immediately or in a very short time. But catch this. What it really means is without any delay. This was game changer for me. When Jesus says, behold, listen up, I'm coming soon. He wasn't necessarily saying, I'm coming soon in your time frame. What he was saying is, I will come and it will be without any delay. There will not be anything that will keep Jesus from returning when he wants to return. When the Father says, my son, go and get, get my people and reestablish heaven on earth like never before, there will be nothing that will get in the way. But there is one thing. If, if there is a delay of any kind, it's a delay that God has done on purpose. It, it, when we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, look at what it says. But you must, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. See, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's time frame is not always looking like our time frame. But look at what it says. The Lord isn't really being slow. He's not tardy. He's not being slow about his promise, his promise to return. As some people think, that is, as some people think slowness, like as some people define soon. No, it says, he is being patient for your sake. 
Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus said, behold, listen, I'm coming soon. But the only thing holding him back might be you or somebody that you know and love and care about or that you work with or that lives in your neighborhood that doesn't know who Jesus is and all that he's done for them. Someone that hasn't turned their life over to him, someone that hasn't repented, turned away from their own sin and self and said, Jesus, forgive me, I give my life to you. That's the only delay that is occurring right now. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. And the only reason he's waiting is for us. So the question is, until that time, whether, whether he comes tomorrow, which I believe he could, or next week, or in three years, or in 50 years, or in a thousand years, what do we do while we wait? Well, in John's revelation, I think we gain some wisdom for what to do while we wait. And first of all, while we wait, we obey. We obey his word. Look at what the text says. Jesus says these infamous words, look, I'm coming soon. He says, blessed are those. So in light of my coming soon, without delay, Jesus says, blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. The book of Revelation is like the close of the entire Bible, so all of Scripture is there for us. And Jesus says, the person, while you wait, because I'm coming soon, obey my word. Live my commandments. Remember in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives the great Sermon on the Mount where we find the Beatitudes, and multiple times Jesus says this phrase, blessed are. That word blessed means uh, happy, like, and it's, it, it's a deeper, richer, fuller happiness than temporary happenstance. It's a, it's a rich, deep, fulfilling joy. And Jesus says, if you want to experience that, he says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to live a truly blessed life, then live my way. Obey my way. Obey my word. Dennis Johnson puts it this way. He says, Scripture is not a passive cadaver waiting for curious medical students to dissect it in their quest for information. No, it's a living, double-edged sword that proceeds from the mouth of the triumphant Son of Man and pierces the thoughts and the intents of hearts. It's a hammer that shatters, a seed that grows its rainfall that never returns to its giver without accomplishing the mission on which it was sent. And I love this last line. Scripture has a job to do in us. Guys, the purpose of God's Word is not just so that we know it or even memorize it or can quote it. The purpose of God's Word is not information but transformation. 
Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And why is he saying that? Is it because he's a, a rule uh, a rule God and he's just trying to come down on us and he's got so, such high expectations? No, it's because he knows that his ways, his rules, his laws, they lead to real life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But the only way we will truly discover the life that God has for us is when we don't just read his word, but we obey his word. In fact, in this same chapter, Jesus then holds out a promise. A second time he says that phrase, look, I'm coming soon without delay. And what does he say? Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. What we do with God's word determines the blessings that come in our life. And so Jesus is calling us to obedience. I don't know, but, you know, there are, there are certainly in the book of Revelation, but throughout Scripture, there's all kinds of stuff in the Bible that I don't understand, right? You too, right? Here's the thing, though. My biggest problem with the Bible is not the things that I don't understand. It's the things that I do understand, but don't do. You ever, I mean, I remember when I was a young Christian and I knew there were certain parts of the Bible that talked about certain things, so I just wouldn't read them, <laughs> right? Like ignorance is bliss, like, well, if I read it, then I'm going to have to be liable for it. But then we get comfortable in our Christian walk and we read things and we know clearly what it's saying. But we want to do what we want to do. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm coming soon. And blessed are those that obey, obey my word. While we wait for Jesus' return, let's let him find us, following him with all that we are, obeying his word, whatever that means for each one of us. Obey his word. And secondly, I think while we wait, Jesus is calling us to worship. Throughout the book of Revelation, in the midst of all of it, I mean, craziness and judgments and, and uh, you know, antichrist and all this stuff. Throughout the book of Revelation, we see these windows of powerful, powerful worship. And John, as he's receiving this revelation, even at the very end of it in chapter 22, here's what it says. It says, I am John, the one that heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, it says, I fell down in worship. That sounds like a good thing, right? God's revealed something to John. John is overwhelmed at God's truth and his promises and the hope to come. And so he falls down in worship. The only problem is he falls down at the feet of a thing, the angel messenger. And in verse 9, the angel says to John, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all those who obey what is written. The angel was saying, whoa, 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 John, you don't worship me. Don't worship the messenger. Worship the one who is the message of life. And this just says something about who we are as human beings. We were created to worship. All of us will worship something. It's what we give our time, our attention, our, 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 ourselves too. And if we're not careful, we will just worship whatever it is out in front of us, or we'll worship the very blessings that God gives us instead of worshiping the blesser. 
And so John is receiving a warning here, and he falls down to worship, and the angel has to say, whoa, 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 I'm no different than you. We're on, we're on even ground here. There's only one to worship. Worship God alone. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Worship the Lord and worship Him alone. While we wait for Jesus to return, let's live lives of obedience. Let's live lives of worship. Eugene Peterson describes worship this way. He says, the work of worship, it gathers everything in our common lives that has been dispersed by sin, and it brings it to attention before God. And at the same time, he says, everything in God's revelation that has been forgotten in our distracted hurrying, and put, it puts it before us so that we can then offer it up in praise and obedience. While we wait, we obey His Word. While we wait, we worship God and we worship God alone. And thirdly, while we wait, we embrace God's work of grace. Let me explain what I mean by that. Look at verse 10 and 11 with me. It says, Then the angel instructed me, John, do not seal up the words of this prophetic book, for the time is near. Verse 11, let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Now stop right there for a minute because I read that. I'm like, what? Is this really God's voice speaking? And yet we have to remember that this, guys, this is the end of the end. And, and, and John is hearing these words of God and God's saying, the end is near. It's coming. Jesus is coming without delay. And time is running short. And it's almost as if, as if the revelation is saying that the one that continues to do the wrong thing is just going to continue to do the wrong. You know, at the end of the day, I always say, people do what people want to do. And I think that's what, that what John is hearing here. People are just going to do what people want to do. But the question is, what do you want to do? Who do we want to be? And that's why he turns the page, and then he says what's highlighted there in, in orange, let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously, and let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Now, it's not saying um, somehow we've made ourselves right before God, and so just keep doing that so that you'll continue to be right before God. In fact, in the original language, what it says there is more, more properly rendered would be, let the one who has been made righteous continue to live in the right way. God's Word says, uh, speaking of Jesus, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is a gift. It's grace. And while we wait, we need to embrace God's work of grace. So what does that mean? It means that at some point in our life, we come to a point of realizing who we are and how we've fallen short of who God is and what He expects, that we haven't followed the rules, that we've done what we've just wanted to do. And we repent. Remember, that's why Jesus is being patient in His return. So that no one will be destroyed, but so that everybody will repent, turn and go the other direction, repent of who we are and who we've been 
and say, God, forgive me. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross for me, and I put my faith in you, and I, now I want to follow you with all my life. In what? In obedience and in worship. And he says, the one who has been, at that moment, we, we are made righteous. We gain right standing with God, not because of something that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And now John is gaining this revelation, and, he's, and, and what Jesus is saying is, to the one that has received that righteousness as a gift of grace, let him continue to live righteously. Because that's what you want to do when you've received an incredible gift like this. It should make us want to continue to live our lives in such a way that we're thanking God through our attitudes and actions on a daily basis. And he says to the one that has been made holy, because God's the one that makes us holy. We won't be able to make ourselves holy. The Bible says no one is holy. No one is righteous. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus makes us holy because Jesus, the Holy One, gave his life on the cross where we should have died and paid us a sinner's death. And he says, to the one who has been made holy, let him continue to live a holy life. Embrace God's work of grace. We'll never live righteously or live holy on our own, but because of what Jesus has done, we can follow him step by step and his spirit can help us. While we wait, obey his word. While we wait, worship him and worship him alone. While we wait, continue to embrace God's work of grace. But there's one more. It comes at the very end. The end of the book of Revelation the end of the entirety of the Bible. And it is the most important. While we wait, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Here's what John writes. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and morning star. Verse 17. The Spirit and the bride, they say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. And catch this, let anyone, hear that? Anyone, anyone, any one of you, any one of me, any one of your friends, any one of your coworkers, any one of your family members, any one of your neighbors, let anyone come. Let anyone who's thirsty let anyone who desires to drink freely from this water of life, let him come. Listen, Jesus said, I am coming soon, without delay. But Jesus is going to come to the ones who have first come to him. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're overwhelmed with fears. And come to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're filled with guilt or shame. Come to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you feel kind of lost. Come to Jesus. Maybe you're hurting. Come to Jesus. Maybe you're tired come to Jesus. Maybe you're stressed and overloaded. Come to Jesus. Maybe you've been away 
come back to Jesus. Throughout this powerful book, there's plagues, there's fire, there's fury, there's punishment, but there's always been grace and an invitation to come to Jesus. Listen, in these moments as we sing this song, I want to challenge you if you've never come to Jesus or or maybe you're here and you're just like, man, something's off. I'm a Christian, but I've been denying God by my attitude or my actions. I haven't been obeying his word or I've let something else get in the way and I, I'm, I've been worshiping a thing or a person and I need to realign my worship back to Jesus himself. Or maybe for the very first time, you're like, I need to know what it means to truly come to Jesus. We're going to sing this song together. And I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, you need help, you need support, you can come forward to the altar. You can, you can write it down on a connect card. Just write Jesus, and we'll follow up with you this week. Or come see me after the service. Let's stand, and let's worship him.